an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out. Bonjour, ladies and gentlemen, Jamie the House. How are you? All good in the hood, I hope. It's Monday and hopefully you have that Monday feeling. I certainly have and uh, I'm excited. Why am I excited? Because at the beginning... Yeah, it's on. We're on. We're good. We're all good. Don't panic. We're all good. No need to worry. Um, my videographer David panicking um, that the audio is not working as if I hadn't tested it. <laughs> so I just want to say, ladies and this morning I woke up and I had that, I had that, what's it, the frown, I needed to turn the frown upside down. Um, bit of a stressful weekend, of course, being another lockdown weekend where we can't have fun apart from what we can do in our house. And I, I, I kind of reckon I let it get the better of me this weekend. I, I've been working a little bit too much over this pandemic period, especially in the last couple of weeks, coming out of self-isolation. So what I was kind of doing was getting back into those routines and habits on the weekend and not relaxing. And I should have been because, you know, Monday came around and I felt shit basically this morning. And I was walking down the seafront as I usually do, getting ready to go for a sea dip. The last thing that I wanted to do this morning was to go for a sea dip. But do you know what? I went down there and I was like, do you know what's probably worse than going for a sea dip? And I looked to the right of me and there was this puddle. And uh, what was happening is that the, the tide was coming in and it had formed this really cold, muddy puddle which was right next to the sea. And I was like, do you know what would actually be worse? Because actually when you go in the sea, you kind of build up to it because your legs get in, your waist gets in and you adapt as you go on. But sometimes the worst thing you can do is go straight into something like a puddle. That would actually be the worst thing ever. Like literally this moment in time, the last thing I want to do is go in the sea, but the last, last thing I want to do, or anybody wants to do is crawl through a puddle. So guess what you're going to do today, Jamie? Not only are you going to go in the sea, you're going to crawl through that puddle. Now, some people will look at that, and of course, if you, walk, if you were walking down the seafront, you would look at that and go, this guy is crazy, okay? But the reality is I'm not, because, and here's the thing, the reason that I am going for a sea dip is because I know deep down that when I do it, I'll feel better. And actually doing things that you don't want to do in the knowledge that they make you feel better is why we do it. So what actually happened was even though I picked something worse than the sea dip to do, it made me smile. It made me feel good because of this thing that I talk about a lot. And it is that no one cares. Now, now I've had a bit of controversy, shall we say, over the last couple of weeks of people not understanding what I mean by no one cares. Um, and a lot of it is look, looked at in the wrong way of people that are struggling and thinking that if you say to them no one cares that, you know, that's not going to help because that's going to make them feel worse. And it's not what I'm trying to explain to people. The thing that I'm trying to explain to people is that it's up to you to control your happiness. It's up to you to do something about it. And when we're feeling down, when we're feeling a bit miserable, what we do is we hope that there is something out there that's gonna make us feel better. We hope that somebody else is gonna do it for us. And when they don't, we get more and more miserable. And actually, 
We kind of deep down know the things that make us feel better. And they're usually simple things such as exercising, eating healthily, um, and getting shit done. And for me, it's definitely a C-dip. Now, as soon as I crawled through that puddle, I felt good. As soon as I went in the sea, I felt great. Literally coming out of the sea, and I felt awesome. And I was just like, this is exactly why you do your sea dips. And a lot of people won't look, you know, a, dipping in the sea and stripping your kit off in November, people can look at you like you're crazy. But when you do it, often you see the positive impact that it has. And I had a smile from ear to ear. And I was walking with a skip in my step. Funny enough, nobody else was smiling, nobody else was happy. And I was one of those people about 20 minutes before. And it, and it comes down to what I say. Motivation is doing things when you feel like doing it and discipline is doing things regardless of how you feel. And although my body a lot of the time doesn't want to do certain things, my brain says, I really don't care, you're doing it anyway. And if you can get into that mood of doing that, um, you'll be in control of your own happiness, you'll be in control of your own progress and you'll be in control of your own life. And it will most certainly serve you in the long run. So, uh, Yes, enjoy. Anyway, ladies and gents, there's a couple of things I want to go through this morning. And firstly, uh, I've just noticed a very good friend of mine, Mr. Roger Snipes, is on. Um, and Mr. Snipes, when all of this is over, or even if, if, if it's not, I would love for you to come down to Bognor uh, and, and come for a seed it, mate. You'll love it. You will absolutely love it, mate. Um, so hopefully, give us a buzz today, tomorrow, and uh, it'd be good to catch up. So there's a couple of things I want to go over today. Firstly, is a little bit of stoicism. Something that helped me over the last few years is reading stoicism, practicing stoicism, um, and, and it has had a massive positive impact on my life. So what I'm going to do is share with you five of my favorite quotes uh, from different stoics, Marcus Aurelius, Epictetus, Seneca, lots of things, and I'll, I will explain them a little bit more because it has literally changed my life over the last few years and also a little bit more nutrition based because every Sunday I have a check-in with my Train With J crew and one thing that got brought up a lot was people saying fuck it, people feeling guilty about the diet, people giving in, you know, I think this is one of the main things. People try and be perfect with their diet which is why they don't see progress. So something that I actually want to share with you is, is a bit of a, vi a visual representation of what a lot of people need to look at when it comes to their nutrition. Um, and it's called the diet cycle. And I love this because this is exactly the process that so many people go through. They start their diet, they end up restricting certain foods, they end up feeling deprived. And because they feel deprived, they crave. Because they crave, they give in. And when they do give in, they feel guilty about what it is that they do and they feel like they're starting their diet all again. Now, there's two ways to overcome this. Firstly, by understanding this diet cycle and secondly, finding steps to stop yourself going through the cycle. Um, and when we go from start diet to restriction, one of the things that we need to understand is that we're not restricting particular foods what we shouldn't be doing, what we should be doing is restricting calories. Not so much that we end up feeling deprived and craving things, but enough for us to create an energy deficit so we can drop body fat. Unfortunately, people don't, they overly restrict. They tell themselves they can't have chocolate, they can't have carbs, they can't do this and they can't do that. And I call this kind of red button syndrome. 
there's something that you like that you tell yourself you can't have, you'll want it more. So a lot of people come to me and go, oh, Jamie, I want to lose weight, but I can't stop eating chocolate. What should I do? Well, still eat chocolate, but just eat less. The danger is, is of course, in the dosage. And so many people, they go, oh, chocolate's my downfall, therefore I'm not going to eat chocolate. Uh, no, that's not going to work. Of course, if it gets to a, an extreme amount, it's a case of reducing it down. If you can't reduce it, remove. But that's not the way that we're looking at it. We want to be aware that we are restricting calories, not restricting food groups. So we don't have a restriction. And a little bit of something, a little bit of chocolate in the diet, in the diet a little bit of things that you enjoy can be factored in if you are tracking your macros. So when you actually do factor things in and allow for certain things, then you won't feel deprived. You won't crave it because you have it. You won't have a feeling of giving in and then you won't get the guilt. If you are feeling guilty for, for, on your diet, it means that it's probably the wrong diet or it means that you are overly restricting and depriving yourself. And this is the most important thing. Something that I say all the time is the best diet is the one that you can see yourself doing a year from now. And so many people have got this habit of feeling miserable when they're dieting. So what happens is whenever they feel unhappy about their weight, they become miserable for a few weeks, they overly restrict, they do too much, they feel like crap and they get a result, but now they associate that result with things that they don't enjoy doing. And they wonder why fat loss becomes more difficult because when you associate fat loss with being miserable, you, you end up believing that in order to get your goals, you have to be unhappy. But this is just crazy because people go, right, I'm unhappy, so I want, so in order for me to be happy, I need to drop body fat. So I'm going to be unhappy until I get there. And I don't even know I'm going to be happy when I get there. Can you see the logic behind it? And it's like, right, maybe understand that we're in this for the long run. Life is very long. This is one thing that you need to understand. Top left, that's you losing five pounds, climbing up a mountain, getting there. Um, another six months passes, you lose 15 pounds. Not long now, you're so focused on the end goal. 15 pounds gone, you've made it, you've hit your target goal weight. It's taken you a year and a half, but you finally lost that 20 pounds. And then the bottom right, you get to that little edge where you're hitting your goal weight, and then you realize that you have another 50 years left on the planet. And what that explains, ladies and gents, is stop rushing to achieve your goals. Be patient and enjoy getting to there. And it doesn't matter if it takes a little bit longer because when you do achieve your goals, and if you do achieve your goals, you're just gonna set other goals. You know, if you get to your target body weight, the game hasn't finished. The game has only just begun because now the game is maintaining it. And if you got to your destination in a miserable way, overly restricting and doing things which you don't enjoy, what you now have to do is maintain those things that you didn't enjoy. So now you're gonna go backwards because who the hell wants to do things you know, miserable every single day to maintain a goal that doesn't feel sustainable. 
And it's all about enjoying that journey. It's all about climbing up that hill, knowing that you're gonna to get to that point, but then that you've still got lots more hills to climb. And that's fine, because that's life. So be patient, be persistent, and don't expect magical things to happen in a matter of weeks, because it doesn't. We all know this. Fat loss is like learning a new language, and you're not gonna learn Japanese in two weeks. You're gonna to have to immerse yourself with it, you're gonna to have to learn a very deep understanding of it, in order for you to speak fluent. And it takes up many, many years to speak fluent fat loss. It does. You know, it take, took me the best part of a decade to really click and uh, realize a lot of it was down to habit. So hopefully that helps. And I'm gonna move on to my next bit, which is five stoic quotes, which will hopefully make you have a much better Weak if you're not having already. So let, let's, uh, let's crack on with some of these quotes, shall we? And of course, ladies and gentlemen, once I finish these quotes, I'd love to get some Q&A going. So if you do have any questions whatsoever, please comment below, let me know, and I'll see if I can answer them after these quotes. Now the first one, ladies and gents, uh, it's from Marcus Aurelius, and it is, if you are pained by any external thing, it is not this thing that disturbs you, but your own judgment about it. And it is in your power to wipe out this judgment now. Okay, so one of the biggest things that I've learned from Stoicism is to understand what's in, within your control and what's out of your control. And when something is out of your control, one of the practices that you need to be focusing on is not worrying so much about it. Because there is a lot of things that are within your control and there are a lot of things outside of your control. And if you are trying to control the thing that is out of your control, then you're gonna get a lot of overwhelm. You're gonna get a lot of anxiety because you're wishing for something that you can't do. And, and here's what's happening at the moment. We are in this pandemic period. We can't control what goes on. We can't control the end date of this. And this is what causes people a lot of anxiety and overwhelm because they don't have control over it. And instead of focusing on the things that you can't do, you need to focus on the things that you can do. And we are, as humans, people that need to set goals and we need to see progression. As soon as we feel that we're not going places, that's where the overwhelming anxiety and depression kicks in. But if we feel that we're on the right path towards something, then we feel great. And I think a lot of people have forgotten about that. A lot of people have forgotten that actually they can still progress they just have to think about different ways of doing it. And there is still a lot of things within their control to get that progression. You, know, you can still keep up your training. It's gonna be more difficult, but the game has changed. The gyms are closed to a lot of people. So you've got to think differently. And utilizing things that are within your control in order to see that progress, which will definitely help. And, and committing to it, and, and understand this, it's not easy. And this is something that I was saying to a lot of um, ladies and gents on my train with Jay. If you can achieve results during this year and see progress, then the next couple of years are going to be a breeze for you. And even if you get to the end of this year and you feel that you haven't made any progress whatsoever and you've remained the same, that's still progress. Why? Because you haven't gone backwards. And this is something that a lot of people don't think about. 
dur during this year, there's been so many things come at you and smack you in the mouth, which makes it almost a given that you're gonna take a few steps back. So if you haven't, you have made progress because a lot of people have had to take a massive hit, had to take a massive step back, and some people have had to even start again from scratch. So if you are in the same place, then consider yourself uh, fortunate. And it's what you learn from this year and take into the next year that's gonna set you apart from the rest. So that's number one, ladies and gents. Number two, uh, until we have begun to go without them, we fail to realize how unnecessary many things are. We've been using them not because we needed them, but because we had them. And what you have to understand about these stoic quotes, ladies and gents, is they're, they're, they're over 2,000 years old. 2,000 years. And what always boggles my mind with a lot of these quotes is that they are just as relevant today as they were 2,000 years ago. So here is a, a very important thing to understand. And I think one of the biggest realizations to a, for a lot of people during this pandemic period is that one thing that I noticed in the first lockdown was that there was a lot of things that I was having overwhelm and anxiety about that got completely wiped away when we were locked down. It enabled me to have a slower pace of life, enabled me to realize what mattered and that you don't need a lot of things to be happy. And, and you don't but we tell ourselves that we do and we convince ourselves that we do. And uh, something that I say to myself a lot is, I have everything that I need already and everything else is a bonus. And if you can adopt that mentality of everything, it doesn't mean that you're gonna slow down, it doesn't mean that you're not gonna progress or, or push for more things, it just means that you are grateful for the things that you have and you're content. And then you realize actually, do I need that? Do I need that? No, not really. We convince ourselves that we, we want and need certain things and I'm just as bad. You know, as soon as Apple comes out with something new, I get excited. As soon as anything comes out that's shiny, that looks cool, I get excited. But then I kind of say to myself, do I really need that? Because most of the things that are making me incredibly happy are my family, which, you know, you could say is free, but, you know, I've had to work hard for that. And uh, things like my seed it. That brings me immense amount of joy every single day, and it's free. And what's mad is that if you charge people for it, you know, to dip in the sea, there'd probably be a queue for hours for it. But people don't actually understand the benefit because you have to get through the visual representation of it, which looks miserable, but it's actually not. So until we have begun to go without them, we fail to realize how unnecessary many things are. We've been using them not because we needed them, but because we had them. Number three, this one is uh, from Marcus Aurelius, and is because a thing seems difficult for you, do not think it impossible for anyone to accomplish. Now, something that I've seen a lot is that people have attempted to do certain things, such as weight loss, such as a challenge, such as a business, and when it's failed for them, they've accepted that it's difficult and they've given up. They haven't tried again. They haven't tried uh, a different way. And then they walk around with this narrative in their head that it's impossible, 
So when anybody else attempts to do it, they kind of downplay their efforts to say it's, it's not worth doing. Or I've done that and, I did, and it didn't produce a result, therefore you're not going to produce a result. And understand that anything that you first start is difficult at first. There are things now that I find easier to do which were near on impossible when I started. Fat loss, it wasn't an easy thing to do. But as you build up the habits and routines, it becomes more easy. See dips. I didn't, you know, I committed to doing cold showers first, I committed to doing sea dips first, and it's much easier this year than it was last year. They were the kind of things that I literally toiled myself with every day to do. I would come up with every excuse imaginable. But doing hard things produces an easy life. So because a thing seems difficult for you, do not think it is impossible for anyone to accomplish. And it's just, just because someone hasn't done something yet that you know of doesn't mean that they haven't and doesn't mean that it's not possible. You know, when I box jumped Mount Everest, no one in the world had ever done it before. So no one ever thought it was possible. So there was a lot of people that was telling me that you can't do that. You, the body isn't developed to be able to jump for 22 hours straight. Um, I had a massive amount of people, loads of comments, of people telling me what can't be done. Yet they hadn't experienced it for themselves. They, just because they hadn't seen it, they didn't think it was possible. But how can you know until you've attempted or at least tried? And, and, that's, and even when you do try, it's still not impossible because there might be some things that you need to work on to get better. So that is uh, the next one, number three, number four. Uh, we suffer more often in imagination than in reality. <clears throat> Think about this, ladies and gents. A lot of the anxiety, overwhelm and stress that you felt over the last six months, how much of it was a reality and how much of it was imagination? How much of your stress, anxiety and frustration over the last six months was in your head? So you were playing out narratives that didn't actually exist. And I put my hand up because nearly every single person has had this. I've had it so many times over the last six months. You know, you have a, a worry and a frustration that things are gonna burn into the ground or dissolve, that, you know, things, you know, if you don't sort this thing out in a couple of weeks time, it's all gonna get apart, um, this, that, and the other. Okay, we always have this, but a lot of this is in our heads. A lot of the things that you're thinking about, that you're worried about, are worst case scenarios that haven't even happened. Yet you play them over and over and over in your head. And it comes down to accepting that, yeah, you can't control everything, accepting that a lot of it is in your head, and most importantly, what are you gonna do about it? Here's the reality. This morning, as I said, I felt crap. And a lot of it was imagination. It was just like, oh, I'm having a really bad day. And the, the day hadn't even started. And a lot of it was based on I had a really bad Sunday, just low energy, etc., etc. And then my imagination was, it could be worse. You could be crawling through a puddle. You could be, be cold and wet. And that could be even worse. So let's make that imagination a reality. 
So of course, if you want to have a look at my Instagram stories, I stripped off, crawled through the puddle, crawled through the sea, and instead of actually going, this is awful, you know, I thought this is awesome. And I had a massive smile on my face. So what I thought in imagination wasn't my reality. And when it became a reality, it made me realize it wasn't that bad. And it's the same with everything else. You know, if the worst does happen to you, you find out actually that's not that bad. And that, this is a good thought process to have because you imagine the worst and then the best thing to say to yourself is, okay, let's imagine that the worst has happened. What would I do now? And then when you solve that problem, what you find out is actually cool. So if the worst happens, I'm now ready for it. So we might as well go and do that thing. And this is the best kind of mindset to have because what goes on in there isn't always a reality. And uh, so that's number four. Uh, finally, number five. And this this one I love. Wealth consists not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. So there's a great guy called Naval Ravikant, and what he talks about is desire. Um, and he, he says... Um, Desire is a contract that you make with yourself to be miserable until you get the thing that you want. And I think that's so true. Because if you want for nothing in life, then you'll always be wealthy. Because a lot of wealth comes down to gratitude, being grateful for the things that you already have in your life, and actually understand that you don't need a lot to be happy. And a lot of the things that you are desiring are because you think that if you have them, your life will be better. Your life will be easier and uh, you will feel more fulfilled. But fulfillment comes from doing difficult things, through pushing through um, difficult times and coming out on top of them. And it goes back to the quote that I've said before, do hard things for an easy life. Do easy things for a hard life. So wealth consists not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. The less that you want, materialistic things, outcomes, and the more that you're focused on being grateful, doing the hard things daily, and just being patient and persistent because you've got another 50, 60 years left on this planet, then you will get the things that you want. And when you do get them, you'll probably find that you didn't actually care about them anyway. So it's a, it's, it's a frame of mind, most certainly. So there we have it, ladies and gents. They are the five stoic quotes for today. And I'd love to hear from you and let me know which one was your favorite. I'm gonna go into some questions now. So if you do have any questions, ladies and gents, we will get a couple smashed out before we finish, um, before we finish today. Mary says, a fight every morning to stick with the cold showers. Uh, you think I just turn that little tap and it's lovely and warm. Uh, it is not. That's what I love about cold showers. As Gary said, stick with it. Might, might not be nice to begin with, but now it feels fine when I have a cold shower. It definitely helps. People think it's mad having a cold shower. Like If you commit to doing 30 days of cold showers, regardless of how you feel, and do it, I promise you now, in, in 10 to 14 days, a magical thing will happen. You will adapt to the cold. It won't be as painful. It will start to build up as a habit and you'll start to see some benefits. And that's what happened to me when I did my first cold shower challenge. First seven days was horrible. And then 10 days was weird. And then 14 days was easy. And then it was just like, oh, okay. So you have to go through and discipline yourself to do it long enough to see the benefits. And this is the same with fat loss. 
you know, fat loss becomes difficult and, until you start seeing the results. And then it becomes easy because now you're like, oh, so all this hard work, I can see it working now, so it becomes easier. Because now you've got a response from your efforts. And it's the same with the cold shower. You know, it doesn't make sense until it makes sense. Frosty, how are you? Love your work, Jamie, keep it up. So much positive from you in this group. Uh, thanks, buddy, hope you are well. Um, just starting on week three, increasing the time now, good to hear. Um, Mr. Hutchison, I love contemplating Amor Fati. For those who don't know what Amor Fati means, it's the love of all fate. And uh, something that I've been speaking a lot about the last couple of weeks, enjoy the good times and enjoy the bad times because without the bad times, the good times aren't as good. So embrace all of it because that's what life is all about. Um, Ahmed, what are your quotes on this stoic quote? Cease to hope and you will cease to fear. Here's the thing, you know, a lot of things, a lot of times when people look at stoicism, they look at it as somber, they look at it as emotionless. When actual fact, you know, it's, it's an interesting point to put Cease to hope and you cease to fear. That comes down to very much this quote. Wealth consists in having great possession, uh, in not in having great possessions, but in having few wants. Um, something that I say to people is hope isn't a strategy. If you hope for something, what that actually means is that you're wishing for somebody else to give it to you. So I hope I get better instead of going, what things do I need to do to improve? I hope I earn more money. I hope I this, I hope that. And what you're doing is you're putting the responsibility in somebody else's hands. Instead of going, what do I need to do now for this? And if, you, if there's nothing that you can do, it comes back to that quote of control what you can control and let go of things that you can't. So if you don't hope for anything, and you strategize for things, then you get the things that you want. And if you can't get them, it's because they're outside of your control, so you shouldn't be wanting them anyway. So a lot of that is just down to understanding what, what is within your control and what is not. Uh, Lee, good morning. First day here, got trained with Jay for my birthday, loving it, perfect Monday, and uh, happy got trained with Jay for my birthday. Happy, if it is your birthday today, Lee, happy birthday, and if it's not, um, Happy birthday for them. <laughs> um, Michelle, having an experience of pressure yourself, do you have any advice for someone who is around um, someone suffering? Uh, a lot of it comes down, I mean, it's, it's very difficult, Michelle, because a lot of it comes down to listening to them and um, supporting them. And, and, and a lot of the things that you'll be doing, the trouble with a lot of people going through that is they don't feel like they need help. So you need to approach it in a different angle. And a lot of it comes down to just being there for them, listening to them, supporting them, and, and letting them know that you give a shit, but also trying to steer them into directions of things that can help. Of course, speaking to people is important, but of course, doing things that are gonna make them uh, progress and feel better. Now, of course, it's not as simple as that, because there are different types of depression. There is um, obviously things that are outside of a person's control. Um, especially with regards to things um, that are more medical, um, then 
if that is the case, then it's going to get someone to help. Some uh, charity that I've been supporting a lot is a campaign against living miserably. They have a free helpline, and I highly recommend anybody who is struggling uh, to give them a call and just to have a chat with someone. I think that is really, really important. What would you recommend doing to start cold showers? I would say commit to doing them for a month every single day, regardless of how you feel. That will make a massive, massive difference. So, ladies and gents, that is it from today's Lockdown Live. I'm going to be trying to get some guests on this week to have a bit of a chat with me. And I might, possibly Wednesday, yeah, possibly Wednesday, we'll do a Q&A Lockdown Live where I'll give you a link. You can jump on this live with me to ask me some questions. And uh, let's get that going, because that'd be awesome. Uh, if you want to ask me a question on the live, just comment below, let me know and we might reach out and see if we can grab you on the live for Wednesday. If you want to know about facing your fears, uh, the best thing that you can do is jump on the live and come and ask me a question. So, ladies and gents, that is it for me. Have a fantastic Monday. Have a fantastic start to the week. Remember what I said, motivation is doing things when you feel like doing it. Discipline is doing things regardless of how you feel. There's probably lots of things that you don't feel like doing this week, but do them anyway because you'll feel better at the end of the week. Thanks ever so much for tuning in, ladies and gents. And I will see you bright and early tomorrow.